the show. It's me, John Park, and this is time for John Park's workshop. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm just getting my audio set up here. I see that it's working, but it's, uh, it was being shy about showing me the little VU meter that lets me really know it's working. So, uh, good. I'm glad that's all set up. Uh, thanks for coming out. It is uh, going to be a fun show. we got some interesting... I think interesting things. Uh, I want to thank everyone for stopping by in the YouTube chat. I see you there. Hello. Also over in the Discord chat. If you are tuning in on Twitch or something else, Facebook maybe, and you're wondering where's all the chatting, people like to chat, it's probably happening in Discord. If you want to go to the Adafruit Discord, it's at adafruit.it. That's our link shortener. adafruit.it slash Discord. It'll get you an instant invite and uh, off you go. Um, got a little alert from C. Grover there that my audio level was peaking at negative 10 dB. We really want to be closer to negative 6, right? Right? So I just goosed it a little bit. We should be good. Uh, I've also got the air conditioner on, but I, I keep hearing from you that uh, you don't really hear it so much as I do. But I don't want cameras overheating and such, which is what tends to happen uh, this time of year in Southern California. So what have we got? Uh, I'm going to put on my glasses so I can actually see some of these. The font is a little small in my Discord. Hellweaver666 says, Hi, JP. Hello, Hellweaver666. Thanks for stopping in. Uh, Andy, C. Grover, yes, Mr. Certainly. Todd Bott. Look, I can see everyone's names now. Jim Hendrickson. Uh, thanks for stopping by. Same uh, over on YouTube. David Odessa, hello. Nicholas Bourne, Trout SGG, Jacob Munford, Randall Bond, and Patrick Rankin, thanks for stopping by. Hey, Chaotic Cosmos. Ooh, I sound silky. That's good. All right. Yeah, I guess that, that AC doesn't bug you the way it bugs me. All right. So let's, uh, let's get on with this thing. First of all, I wanted to mention over on our jobs board, we've got jobs.adafruit.com. That's a free jobs board. And that's it right there if you have a look at it. Uh, we I, I was noticing there are some positions up here for... Uh, a DevOps engineer at Passport Inc. in Charlotte. There's a, uh, someone's looking for a Python programmer for one job. Just one job with Neotrellis button LED board uh, in Argentina. There's a circular PCB with SMB 5050 and power conversion and micro interface uh, gig listed in West Palm Beach, Florida. So these are some of the kinds of things that you'll see. Got a few pinned ones up there at the top. If you head on over to the job board, it's free. You can post your jobs there. If you're looking to hire someone, it's free to post your info, and it's free to look at. So go check out the jobs board, I say. Uh, all right, let's see. What's next? Um, the <laughs> Sparklebeard says he's waiting for a cybernetic eyes, so he doesn't need to wear glasses anymore. That would be kind of cool. I had a friend who did that. He had lenses, like cataract replacement, except for vision improvement. Interesting, eh? Uh, let's see. What else did I want to talk about? Uh, every Tuesday, I have a show that is my product pick of the week show. And uh, this past Tuesday was no different. There it was. It was the mini GPS, the PA1010D, little breakout GPS unit. Uh, and I will give you a little one-minute recap right here, right now. Check it out. PA1010D, which is a mini GPS module, 
in Stemma QT format. We're gonna run this out the door so that it's facing the sky. I have a feather. This is the RP2040 feather, which has this very convenient Stemma QT cable connector to it. And I have that running to one of our lovely little OLED screens. This is telling me my latitude and longitude. I'm actually running this through a bit of a scrambler. This will take you somewhere in Peru. That's not where I live. Then it's telling us our altitude, uh, the fix quality. And then you can see here, it's actually telling me that it's getting uh, 11 or 10 satellites that it's seeing right now in the sky. That is my product pick of the week. It's the PA1010D and it is a mini GPS in Stemma QT format for use with I2C and UART. Uh, right on, and one thing I'll mention is when you watch that show uh, live, when you watch the JP's Product Pick of the Week show live, you'll usually get access to a terrific discount. It was 50% off this week for that item. Usually it's around that, around somewhere around 50% off. If we can afford to do that, we do. And you can stock up on some really great modules that way uh, at a discount. So uh, let's see, what do we got next? Um, oh, you know what I wanted to show you? This is just a little uh, sort of a tool gear report and, uh, and tool tip kind of thing. Let me head over to my, um, my bench cam here and I'll throw a little side view there so you can see me. Um, so this is a, um, a little restoration project that, that I'm working on. Uh, if you look here, actually, this is a, um, a marking gauge. And I haven't cleaned this one up yet, but this is roughly the, the condition of some of the sort of tools I, I pick up at things like estate sales. It's often what they look like. Sort of unremarkable, dull looking. Um, and a lot of these uh, older tools that I pick up are made of rosewood with brass. And so I went and I cleaned up. I took some pictures. If you look on my social media, I took some pictures as I did it for this beautiful bevel gauge. Look at this sliding bevel gauge. So this was basically uh, the same condition. It, it's gonna tend to look the same. Uh, this bevel gauge had steel for the nut and screw. A lot of these items will have brass. I think this one's got brass uh, for these tightening screws. But uh, nice rosewood here. Uh, this camera, I don't think I can boost the, it's a little dim, sorry about that. But if I get, get the light on there, you can see how gorgeous this is. So cleaned up this brass, which looked like that before. Um, and you know what, we'll zoom in just a little bit more. And you can see this, uh, the way this works is that you can match an angle if you're cutting a bevel into something uh, that you need to match an existing one. Uh, you can basically use this sort of like a T-square, except it doesn't have to be square. So you can then transfer that angle from one thing to another. Um, but this was mostly uh, some sandpaper and steel wool. Uh, and then when I got to the, the lovely final finishing cleanup stages, I used a little bit of um, uh, woodblock oil, some petroleum oil basically on the wood to revitalize that. It was looking pretty dry. And I used some Brasso uh, on the brass and on the steel there to, to shine that up. So. Uh, pretty cool. I've got, I've got a few others that I haven't cleaned up. I might do a time lapse of one, but I love watching restoration uh, videos online and uh, it inspires me to occasionally clean up my stuff. Um, so that'll be, that'll be fun to, to do this one. Maybe I'll do a little time lapse of that. So that was just a little shop update, some, uh, 
old tools that needed, needed some cleaning and some love. Um, and let's see, let me jump back over here. Uh, JP's restoration workshop. That would be fun. I like that idea. Uh, the, uh, let's see, any, any comments on that? I know there's a lot of people who, uh, uh, yeah, wood scribe, this one. So wood scribe, uh, is, it's a type of, uh, marking gauge. I also have a long, like a cabinet one, and you essentially can transfer a distance on, uh, a piece of wood before you cut it. There's a little sort of nail in there. So you measure a distance, tighten this up here, and, uh, then you can sort of cut a little tiny groove in something to then presumably to cut it or do something else. Um, what do I call it? Marking gauge? Yeah, wood scribe. I think that's the right name for that one. Uh, all right. So next up, this is exciting. So I, uh, I'm probably going to start a new segment in the show uh, doing Circuit Python tips. Um, and if you have any ideas for the name of that segment, let me know. Uh, Phil... Tyrone, Mr. Lady Ada, suggested uh, yesterday that it be the Circuit Python second, uh, and then maybe it's longer than a second, but but it's got some alliteration there. Uh, I thought maybe Circuit Python Parsec, which uh, continues to extend the joke of uh, oh man, my volume's a little loud, isn't it? Uh, continues to extend the joke of a parsec being a unit of uh, time measurement instead of distance measurement from uh, our good friend Han Solo. Um, but let me know. Uh, so the first one up, this is really exciting. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you a new sort of beta feature that we have in the Learn Guide system for our projects that we're calling the Project Bundler. Uh, and we may even call this the Bundle Fly, which is sort of a Cronenberg, uh, the fly movie joke that... Uh, that uh, Paint Dragon came up with, Phil, Phil B came up with. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you a typical project download. So here we have uh, this touch deck, which you'll you'll recall. I don't have mine plugged in right now because I I need to uh, I need to copy files to another Circuit Python device. So I'm, so this one's unplugged right now, but this is the touch deck. And I'll outline the problem for you, which is CircuitPython is incredibly quick to set up. We've, we've made it so it's very fast to install the firmware to bootload it with, with a version of CircuitPython. Usually just double-click the reset button. Download one file, put it on. It's a UF2 file. The uh, file system copies that, restarts, and runs that program, that program being CircuitPython, um, which we think of not as a program, but it is. And then we have a uh, flash drive sitting there, a USB drive sitting there named CircuitPy drive, and we copy files onto it. So we can copy our code, which is usually code.py. We can copy assets onto it. So in the case of the touch deck, we have icons. Uh, assets could be fonts. Uh, I think we have some on this one. Uh, assets can be sounds. So there's, there's sort of supporting files. And then we have libraries. And to be honest, this has always been one of the um, more tedious parts of doing a lot of CircuitPython uh, pro projects for me is copying libraries over, 
when I'm rebuilding something that I've kind of erased and now I have to go back and I have to find, okay, what are the six libraries that I got to find? And then I go into our list of a hundred and something libraries and drag over the six that I need. Um, and there have actually been some attempts to do some uh, sort of library management. Um, our good friend Toddbot wrote something that we used for a little while that was sort of like a config that just copied over some named files for you in a shell script. Uh, there was a, another more advanced version of that that I saw. I can't remember its name. Maybe someone in the chat uh, can tell me about it. The new thing, however, for, and this doesn't necessarily take the place of those, but in, in many cases it, it will, which is you're downloading a project from the Learn system and you just need to get the parts of the project you need. So that's going to be the code, that's going to be the libraries, and that's going to be the assets. Well, check this out. What I'm going to do is, let me see if I can open up a second screen here. And I'm going to rearrange some stuff a little bit, if you'll bear with me. This should do it. All right, I know I'm hyping this up, but I'm really excited about it. So uh, right now in this learn, learn guide, usually you'll go, you'll read the overview page. Okay, what's this project about? Then you'll have a little link that'll talk you through getting CircuitPython onto the, uh, the, the board. And so in this case, uh, I'm using a Feather NRF52840. Uh, the original project used the RP2040, but I decided to try it out on the, the NRF52840 because uh, I hadn't tried it before and we, we were pretty sure, Foamy Guy and I were pretty sure it would work. Uh, then you'll go and you'll click on this install libraries and it tells you all the different libraries that you need for the project. And uh, when I'm writing a guide, I usually build the project, or in this case, I collaborated with Tim on it. He wrote software, updated some, some libraries for us. Uh, and then I come up with a list at the end of, okay, here's the necessary stuff. So I'm gonna write it down. I usually take a screenshot. That screenshot's not showing up here for some reason. Um, and then when you're building this yourself, following the guide, you go here and you'll one by one look at our big list of libraries. You'll, you'll download the uh, CircuitPython library bundle just hundreds of them, and then you'll pick the few that you need and copy them over. Uh, if we go to the code, the project, this usually says, okay, make sure you got your libraries installed, make sure you get your assets, and the assets, uh, here I'd put a separate link for those assets. And then you go and you copy your code and maybe paste that into your favorite text editor and then save it to the, to the drive. Well, all that changes now. As of today, we have this bundle fly project bundler, which happens automatically in the background every day. We have uh, jobs running on our servers, on the Learn Guide servers and GitHub, that goes and collects all the libraries that you need to run a given piece of code and all of the assets uh, which, are, which are in that, that GitHub directory. And they all get put into the project zip uh, file here, this little link. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to zoom into that. Okay, so gone are the days of separately copying things over uh, and finding them among sort of needle in a haystack style. Now all we do is, and we're gonna, I think we're gonna make some cool icons and, and things for this with our little bundle fly uh, fellow. Right now, all I have to do is click on this project zip uh, link and you'll see over in my downloads folder, I, I already had it open, uh, the, let me find, where did my finder window go? hiding on me. There you are. Uh, you can see that 
this uh, zip folder has has uh, been saved here. I already have one here, and I've already unpacked it. If I look in the contents of this zip folder, or this uh, unzipped uh, archive, that's everything I need. So we get the, in this case, the code.py file, the touch deck layers file, which is sort of a config. We have all of these assets. So these are all BMP files that are used for the different uh, touch screen labels. And all of our libraries. All of that happened for me. I don't have to go and pick through it. Uh, and now what you'll see is if I, uh, let, me, let me show you a down camera view of this. Uh, I'll use this one for now actually. So you can watch on the folder. And let's see, can I do that? Sorry, I've got some, some camera management here. Let's do that plus that. Okay, so you can see here right now, uh, this won't run because this has a essentially empty directory. If I look at my CircuitPy drive, all I have on there right now is this bootout.txt, which is something that CircuitPython put on there. Um, so I've cleaned it off. It's clear, or maybe you have some old project on there. And, uh, and what we'll do is we'll go and we'll pick everything here that I just unpacked from that project download. I'll drag it to my CircuitPy drive. And that's going to copy over now. Um, it's going to take it a couple of minutes, actually. There's a lot of files on there, and I'm actually going over kind of a slow USB hub. So uh, I apologize for that. But um, what, what we're going to uh, have is about a minute now. So there's 644K uh, heading on over there. If I look at the circuit pi drive, you'll see it's, it's filling in those, so you can kind of follow along. Um, and the exciting thing is that it is going to load all of that, uh, all of those assets, all those libraries, all the code onto there. And then it'll automatically reset itself and start running. So fingers crossed, uh, if we didn't miss anything, this will um, essentially follow all of the dependencies of every thing in the code.py file and every dependency the library itself might have. Okay, it's finished copying over. Uh, it should be restarting now. We can, we can look over in Atom. I might need to give it a soft restart. Uh, oh, there it goes. And voila. Whoops, I, I added that page. Forgot about that one. Oh, I don't have that page on here. That's right. <laughs> this is not my custom one. So, uh, But what you'll see is if I head over to Discord... Just as a little demo, uh, I can now go in here and place a little, uh, how about a happy Adabot? Boop, just by pressing a button. Hey, Ruby. Yay! Uh, Todd asked, did I kill my video? Are you talking about me there, that video? Or did something glitch? Uh... It might, have, it might have not liked when I ran out uh, outside of Broadcaster. So let me know if that's still streaming uh, or not. I'll keep an eye on the chat here. Uh, tell me what glitch, what kind of glitch. So um, that is Project Bundler. It's incredibly exciting. Um, we'll do some other, uh, we'll, we'll kind of introduce this more and talk about the features over the next few weeks. Um, the process runs once a day right now. Um, so it's an overnight kind of thing. Uh, 
So for any of you out there that are involved with learn guides or if you see a, some fresh new learn guide come out, it may take a day for the project bundle zip to, to pull its all self together. Um, but boy, is that terrific because if, if, you're, if you're not sure what I'm talking about here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump over to a browser window real quick. And what you'll, what you'll usually run into is if we go to, uh, let's go to CircuitPython dot org libraries and if I'm using CircuitPython 6 I'll download this CircuitPython 6 zip bundle uh, it'll go to my downloads folder go back there and I'll show you so here in my downloads folder we just got this CircuitPython bundle it's four megabytes worth compressed. I'm actually not sure how much that decompress that uh, that compresses it, but uh, here in libraries, these are the current libraries for CircuitPython in the bundle. So typically I would go and I would pick, uh, let's see, like uh, image load. So I kind of scroll up here and find, oh, here's uh, image load, and maybe I need this library, and then maybe I need NeoPixel, and I'll scroll down there. And so I'll pick all of these and, and hopefully get it right. All of that is, is going to be a thing of the past with this, uh, at least for learn guide projects, because they're essentially going to um, allow us to control what goes into the bundle based on the code. Um, but I think also part of the idea here is that, uh, and this is something that Scott and Lady Ada really considered at the very beginning, uh, a few years ago when CircuitPython first started, was how to structure things so that this would be possible and so that library management will be possible inside of your IDE. So my hope is that Adam and Moo and Thani and some of these other um, editors, text editors for coding that people use, will uh, at some point add in a CircuitPython library management tool that works based on this sort of principle where we can look at code. And, and uh, if you look, for example, let me, let me jump into Adam here. If you look at my uh, code for a given project, um, in fact, let's open this one. Let's, let's open up the uh, code.py sitting here on uh, my little touch deck. I confused it by having something already named code up, code up high open. Um, if we look at this, here are the, uh, typically what I'll do is I'll look at this and I'll go, okay, I happen to know that time is, is uh, one of the um, libraries that's essentially baked into CircuitPython, so I don't need to find that one. Uh, display IO, I can never remember. I think that's baked in. Terminal IO, that's baked in. Oh, but here, okay, display text, I'm gonna have to find that. Display IO layout, I'm gonna have to find that. Uh, Featherwing. I think USB HID is baked in, so I don't need to find that, but there's another one, Adafruit HID or Adafruit USB. So anyway, you can see the idea is I'm gonna typically look through these, find those and copy them over. Now what's gonna happen is overnight, our GitHub repo uh, currently in the way this is working now for Bundlefly is, I love that new name, is going to look at this header uh, for some code and it's gonna start bringing in the appropriate libraries based on dependencies. So it'll grab anything by name here that isn't just baked into CircuitPython. Um, and then 
sometimes these libraries rely upon other libraries, so you won't see them named here, but they, they also have to be brought in. And so um, those are some of the things happening in the background that are uh, still in the works right now that you'll, you'll still find some glitches. But the nice thing is every time we find a, a, an issue on a dependency, gets fixed, it'll update across all of, all of our uh, learn guide code every night. So uh, that is Bundlefly. I, I know I took quite a bit of time with that. That was not a, a succinct <laughs> demonstration of it, but uh, hopefully you're as excited about it as I am. I think this is going to uh, make life a lot easier for, for some, of our, um, some of our projects. So hooray. Uh, all right, let's see. Next up, someone asked, um, where's Lars? I don't know. I haven't seen Lars lately, so it's anyone's question, anyone's guess. Um, next thing I wanted to do, let's actually jump back over to the workbench here. And um, I think I can plug in my other camera switcher now. And I'd like to show you this, uh, this project of the week, which is going to be a uh, Internet of Things door alarm based on our new, brand spanking new, Funhouse board. Uh, so I've got a Funhouse board here, and I'm going to zoom in on that. Uh, let's see, I might be able to get, uh, let's see if I can boot up my other little touch deck that I'm using as the camera switcher over here so that I can do a little bit of camera switching. Just because I like this, I'm proud of this one, I want to show it in action. Let's, uh, let's get this one to go into action. Uh, are you booting up? I gotta hit reset on this. You can do it. All of this so I don't have to walk over there and click on a thing. Uh, hey, Lars, what are you doing? So I think on this one I have my custom uh, switcher, camera switcher loaded. There we go. All right, let's see if it's working. Uh, we'll do, there we go. Switch to that and put me in the corner there with that. Okay. Now let's look at that. Funhouse board, try to focus, that's pretty good. Um, okay, so this is the Funhouse board, and this one I've actually got some things plugged into it. Um, we have, this is an ESP32-S2 chip on here, uh, so it does Wi-Fi. We've got a TFT screen on here. I'm not going to go over all the features of it right now. I'm, I'm brand new to it, so I'll get half of it wrong. Um, but, but a few things that are important for this project is going to be the uh, JST. These, these are the three-pin Stemma connectors on the side. JST three-pin connector I have right here is plugged into what is essentially uh, the analog one, which can also be used as digital input or output. Uh, I have this as a digital input, and I have it sort of plugged tenuously into a magnetic door sensor. If I can get this to stay, we'll see if that'll work. Um, and this is a reed switch that will close itself when there's a magnet nearby and open itself when there isn't. Uh, and what I'll do is, let's, uh, let's give this guy power. 
Um, and I forgot to grab a separate, let's see if this will work. That one won't work. Um, you know what I'm going to do, actually? I'm going to bring this over to the workbench because I, I want to show some stuff on the screen there. So, so we'll bring that over there, and then that'll give me a convenient place to plug that in. All right, more camera switching. All right, and we'll just do that for now. Okay, so... This has USB-C, I'm gonna plug it in. Um, does not need data to work just for coding, but we're gonna, we're gonna plug it into the computer so that we can uh, look at the code on it, load the code that's on it, use the uh, serial output. And I'm gonna grab that little magnet, place that here. So this is gonna act like it's closed right now. Um, let's see, oh, and this is gonna have a problem because I bet it can't connect to, oh, maybe it is, wow. Is it subscribing? Yeah, okay, I have a Wi-Fi router that is nowhere near where I am right now that it managed to connect to, so that's, that's a good thing. Um, so what you can see, what it's doing right now is using its pressure, uh, humidity, and temperature sensing to uh, update that, those, uh, actually just pressure and, and temperature to the screen here. Um, and I believe, the way I have it set up right now, when I remove that magnet from that switch, so it's as if a door is open, similar to an alarm, uh, it just displayed uh, door is open, and it also displayed motion detected. So I have a, I have a motion detector on here. Um, so what I wanna do is I'm gonna show you a Rearrange some stuff real quick. Let's put that up there. That down there. Shoot this over here. And I'm gonna open up an Adafruit I.O. page in my Chrome browser here. Okay, and this is a feed, it's actually a dashboard with a series of feeds that are uh, designed that I created to work with the code that I have running on the Funhouse right now. Um, so we'll see if any of it's working. I didn't test it uh, recently, so let's see. This should change the colors of the LEDs. There we go. So uh, this is the Adafruit I.O. as an interface running over Wi-Fi. So it's actually running to the internet from my computer over Ethernet and then over Wi-Fi back, um, actually these are on two separate networks. So that allows us to send info from Adafruit I.O. Uh, out to the, the device. Um, you can see here I've, I'm logging uh, info that's, that's pretty much every 10 seconds. Oops, I'm getting uh, an update to these feeds here about the pressure, humidity, and temperature. Um, the door status and PIR status, you'll see here, uh, I just closed the door essentially. I just moved that magnet close to the read switch. And so then within 10 seconds, we'll get that update. So now the door status lights up green. So it's, I, essentially I'm saying that's good. We want the door to be closed. Um, and then if I open up that door, let's say it's the back door of your house or it's your refrigerator door or something, 
and you want to know uh, on your dashboard when that's been left open, this will show you. So now it's telling me door status is red. Um, I have a little, just for testing purposes, I also have a little, um, sorry, I just wanted to check the Discord since I had in a while, make sure people could still hear me. Yeah, you can. Um, <laughs> Fede2 says, did it connect with the Wi-Fi access point you have in Peru? That's based on my scrambled uh, GPS coordinates on Tuesday. Uh, yes, of course. Um, so I have in the dashboard here, I wanted to set up a feed that I can read on the Funhouse and I want to send it either a zero or a one. So by default, a one is on this feed, or rather a zero is on this feed. If I send a one just by clicking on this um, little number pad here, what it should do is cause the Funhouse to beep its alarm. So there's a little uh, piezo alarm built onto here. And it's also going to do some uh, Internet of Things things and send me an email alert. So you probably just heard that beep. It just, it just uh, went and uh, sent that alert to the Funhouse. But then Adafruit.io is also configured to use, I have a couple of options here that I'm using right now. And one of them is if this, then that, IFTT, T, T. Uh, if this, then that service is now in the background preparing an email to send to me. Um, and there's actually two things that, that it does. It's actually sending me an email. It's also sending an email to my text phone number. So it can send an SMS message by emailing your text uh, mobile number gateway. And, and by the way, thanks to Toddbot for sharing this trick with me. I, I didn't uh, realize this. I didn't really think if you're trying to use something like SMS and if this and that does not include a, a straight-up SMS service anymore because that costs money and someone's got to pay for it. So uh, the hack is your mobile number at text.carrier.net, some, some formula like that, uh, works in many cases, uh, at least for AT&T, T-Mobile, uh, some other U.S. carriers that I looked into. Um, so within about 15 minutes, based on how if this then that uh, where I am in their cycle, because they run, run things for you basically every 15 minutes, I should get a text uh, message. Let's see. Uh, I didn't get one yet, but I have some from earlier that just say, door is open at, and then it tells me the time, so from when I was testing. Um, and then a second option is that I have, uh, I'm, I'm running an Adafruit.io Plus account, and the Adafruit.io Plus account has extra features, more feeds, more data that you can, uh, data points that you can receive with higher frequency, um, more dashboards, I think, and it also can send an email to you. So there's a, just a, a trigger using the triggers uh, inside of Adafruit.io. I can just send an email to one of my email addresses that, that my account is linked to. Uh, so these are some of the options, and, and we're looking into more all the time, uh, particularly because things like this, which we can have a lot of different sensors on, um, you will want in some cases, if you're using something like uh, uh, you've left an important door open, a window has broken, you're flooding your basement. These are things that you, you want to have a, a few different ways of getting updates on. So we're looking into... Um, Brent, actually, thanks so much to Brent Rubel for looking into a lot of this for me. He's got some ideas about things like um, webhooks and Twilio and Slack and Discord all have possible ways to have Adafruit.io send a little alert 
uh, or even from CircuitPython itself, since it can hook up to your Wi-Fi network using uh, the MQTT, there are options there as well that are, that are all being uh, looked at. Um, oh, I noticed uh, Bruce, Mr. Certainly said that the uh, one idea is to hook up the power switch tail relay to turn on fans and heaters as needed. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, I actually, yesterday, let me, uh, let me show you this. I hooked up a Amazon Alexa. Alexa, turn on the light. So you can see that lamp back there. Alexa, turn off the light. So that's an example of a sort of Internet of Things relay that's very tightly bound into the, into the Amazon system, uh, but is pretty cool. And uh, so, so I'm definitely interested in things like HomeKit and Home Assistant, uh, hooking into physical things, sort of multiple nodes uh, on your uh, sort of home automation network with this lovely little uh, board here acting as sort of the gateway into those things. Um, so that right there, look again, door status, you'll see this, this should update pretty quickly. I think we get, uh, the, the way the code I have running on here right now, this is some uh, sample code that Melissa wrote. This is every uh, 10 seconds. Uh, oh no, someone on YouTube, Kane Pat, said that their Alexa just responded. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was going to give this one a different name because you can use, I think, computer and maybe some other stuff, but uh, it, it was giving me problems. It, it didn't want to offer up the, that choice yesterday when I was doing the setup. Um, so, yeah, Gary Z, too. Thanks for triggering my A name. A L E X A. Sorry about that, people. Uh, so let's see. Last thing I wanted to do is if we take a look at, um, let me open up the code that's running on the Funhouse here, so you can start to have a little bit of a look at how this is working. I'm gonna launch my. There we go. Let's launch Adam and leave that in the background there. Uh, so I don't think I have anything incriminating in here. I think uh, we, we basically are still using like the secrets.py file to store Wi-Fi address and stuff like that, uh, or Wi-Fi credentials. Uh, so you can see here we're doing some basic library imports of time, the board for pin definitions, digital I.O., because I'm using uh, this essentially as a button or a switch. Uh, the uh, Funhouse is sort of built on the portal base. So again, there's a lot of, uh, uh, Melissa did a lot of work to structure this so that it's been easy for us to set up new things, the, the Pi portals, the uh, MagTag, now the, the Funhouse using a lot of uh, uh, reuse of code, which is great. Um, the uh, Funhouse here is being set up and it has a bunch of peripherals on it, such as these five dot stars at the top. So that's how, uh, how those are being um, reference is just with set dot stars, and then I can set a different color from that uh, Adafruit I/O feed. We do some connection. Uh, we subscribe to those feeds that we wanted to publish to, and uh, then it's being set up with some of these MQTT messages uh, over the network. And then the network loop is sort of the main thing that runs to either get data or push data. And if I look at the, this is the, the thing that runs every 10 seconds. So here uh, we check for 10 seconds to have gone by. 
and then I added this little bit here which says if the switch is, uh, is set to zero, then the door is open. If the switch is set to one, then the, the door is closed. And that value is being sent right here, funhouse.network.mqttpublish, uh, the name of the feed, which is in this case is door, uh, and then whatever that door value is. And then over in my uh, Adafruit I.O. setup, I have the widget on that dashboard just simply looking and seeing is that a, a zero or a one, and it does something uh, depending on that value. So it sets, sets my little um, uh, indicator light color. Um, for something that's working in reverse, such as uh, the, let's see, trying to find where are my NeoPixel or dot stars. Uh, I don't remember now. Where am I grabbing those? <laughs> Have I, I swear they're still lighting up colors, but now I don't remember. And I've, I've been playing with this for about all of two days. So uh, sorry, sorry, I'm not super fluent in it. I'm sure Melissa, Melissa, if you're here and in the chat, you can remind me. How the heck are we grabbing those? Uh, I don't know. It might be the peripherals.led, but I think that's just the, the, the little light up uh, red one. Dot stars, yeah. Uh, is it happening? Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So this is this is actually running as a little separate function. Uh, so this function is uh, how we're buzzing the buzzer, and it's also how we're changing the NeoPixel colors. It's not running every loop, it's only happening when there's a change in those. Um, so when the feed ID comes through that's named buzzer, uh, if the payload is a one, then we set that buzzer. And if that feed ID is NeoPixels, uh, we check for a payload, and if that payload is, um, the, I think of the hex value that we're using for, for setting the colors, then it translates that into color and sets that there. Um, and if I go ahead and open up the serial port on this, let's see, I might need to unplug the extra thing. Should work. Uh, so here you can see it's just uh, printing out its own value for 10 seconds, and then it's doing that Adafruit I.O. update. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just click on the, uh, let, me, let me update my screen here so you can see that I'm just going to click on my uh, feed buzzer. So when I press this, you'd see feed buzzer received a new value. Uh, and if I do the same for color, let's uh, make them all Blue, how about? Uh, that just updated and it said I got a new pixel value of this hex value and it set that on the, on the NeoPixels there. So change a little, boop, and that goes to green. So that one, um, that one actually doesn't wait for the 10 seconds. I guess that, that just when there's, a, when there's a new piece of data on that feed, it actually pushes it really quickly. Uh, so that's about it for kind of a little intro to the, uh, fun house. And I'm going to set that up for, uh, I'll probably build a little fake door, use it on like a, it works well on like a little box like this. You can put 
um, the magnet sensor, uh, magnet and sensor on a little lid or on a door that's opening, uh, just as a demonstration. But ideal thing is things like a refrigerator door or uh, a side door to your house that someone keeps leaving open, that sort of thing. And this will be useful for that kind of alert. Uh, all right, well, I think that's going to do it for today. Uh, have, we set, have we said it all? Have we covered everything? I think we have. Um, a uh, reminder to come on by next Tuesday for the next JP's product pick of the week for more shenanigans and, uh, and a great discount on probably a very cool item. I think this, this uh, next one coming up, I've, I've already, uh, I already know which one it is. It's going to be a cool one. Uh, you won't want to miss that. So thank you, everyone, for stopping by. Uh, thanks to everyone over in the Discord. Uh, and uh, Johnny Birdoff says, late to the party. That's all right. Rewind. You can, you can, you can catch up. Uh, lots of fun stuff. Uh, Tabbot says, the huge thing here is that MQTT works on the ESP32-S2 in CircuitPython. Yes, um, this is big. So uh, I, I think we're going to get a lot of utility out of the Funhouse uh, and the other ESP32-S2 CircuitPython boards for this type of stuff. This one particularly... Uh, particularly great for the uh, sort of home automation types of things. And, and clearly that's the, uh, the design of the, the little house board there is, is, uh, is meant to evoke that. Uh, I've also put a little uh, Phil B designed plate here to hang it onto uh, a couple screws or even just one screw works pretty well. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm wigging that out. I just caused it to short. The, my USB just got mad at me because I was wiggling the, <laughs> the uh, connection. All right, uh, enough wiggling. Thanks, everyone, for stopping by. This is John Park, and this has been John Park's Workshop for Adafruit Industries. I will see you next time. Bye-bye.